welcome every welcome everyone this is the fourth interview podcast for Head in the Game and we're delighted to be joined today by Darren Kelly. How's things Darren? How are you Steph all right? Yeah good stuff and um, we're gonna just talk through like we've discussed earlier like we sort of had a wee chat off air we're gonna talk about just going from school boy just from the start how you got into football sort of your early upbringing and then just go through your whole career and your personal life and I suppose let, let's see where it takes us like so how, okay. I, like just when you were a kid like how did what was your first memories of football how did you first get into it um my first kind of club was um a club called Woods United in Kandakan um in Nailstown it was such a small club it was about five or six teams in it um I was playing I was seven years of age and playing under 10s outfield um and then the, I kicked into GAA then as well, um, playing with my school, which would have been Ballyfermot de la Salle. Um, and I loved my GAA. And I spent a couple of years there and was a centre forward and moved back into midfield. Um, and then we had um, we had trials then with Cherry Orchard. Under, I was under 12s, I went to Cherry Orchard. Um, so I was thinking I was playing South Dublin Division 4 or something. It was, it was a very low league. Yeah, to go on to playing Premier Football then with the DDSL with obviously Cherry Archers as well renowned club um, and I went there and I done my trials and I was actually playing central midfield at the time but I was just trying, I was just because like Cherry Archers back then was kind of the man United of skillway football um, yeah. I'll never forget the, the manager um, putting his hand up um, saying anyone play rifle and of course Straight away, the hand went up and <laughs> played right full. <laughs> and uh, after that game, he, uh, he signed me straight away, um, asked me to sign. So it kind of left um, with my stepfather, was was managing Woods United. So it was just, it was just time to move into kind of more serious football at the time, you know? Yeah, when you're sort of younger, you're always looking to play at the highest level you can. And I suppose, like, with, with the youth, like, you're just you just go with us like like you said manager says where do you want to play <laughs> then rifle straight away wherever you can get playing yeah, but like, I grew up in Ballyferma anyway um, my family are originally from Ballyferma and my nanny was down there so like and most lads you live with you kind of live out of your nanny's house um, yeah. I went to school in Ballyferma my friends were from Ballyferma and kind of playing street football in a place called the Lair um, Ballyferma playground it was um, top of my nanny's road I was just street football constantly from nine o'clock in the morning to ten at night, like you were just on the ball constantly. And I was trying to go and play with my friends then as well, you know. Yeah, that was brilliant that you knew most of the lads you were going in with. Like I suppose that helped you settle in, and it was an easy sort of transition, even if the footballing level was a wee bit higher than you were used to. Ah, uh, the, the football level was was frightening. Like, yeah, um, made a couple of then became skillway internationals. One became a senior international as well at the same time. Um, so it was it was a fairly decent squad, like to be fair, like you know, um, and then I played, kind of played all over the place with Cherry Orchard, was right full, centre half, centre midfield, played up front, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I was getting kind of getting kind of serious with the the GAA as well at the same time. Um, I was progressing on. I was part of the the, the South Dublin County uh, panel, um. And I was approached then to go to um, Ballyboden St. Dennis from Delisle and Ballyfermot. 
and at that time I got um, the need is Osgood Slats um, oh, kind of grown so that kind of put me off the, the off the pitch for about six six months to a year I was kind of managing how it was going yeah but it was coming to the crunch time then to um, that was on the 13s we had done done the travel um, with Cherry Orchard we'd gone to Celtic um, and battered Celtic who were the top club in Scotland at the time because Celtic and Cherry Orchard had a link oh, and we had gone we had absolutely annihilated Celtic um, two games over there and then it was decision time whether I was going to go back to Cherry Orchard or just concentrate on the GAA because um, it transferred over again as I said to, to Ballyboden and Oscolds kicked in but I'd made the decision then at the end of under 13s to step away um, from kind of football and then the manager rang and asked would I play in goal because um, obviously I was playing GAA and kind of always kicked the, kicked the ball around and played in goal um, even with the layer it was kind of I wanted to be a goalkeeper I didn't mind jumping around on the tarmac or whatever I was kind of brave at that point but um yeah, I ended up I ended up playing um one game, Wayne Henderson, um ex International who had to retire there Jesus, ten years ago now I think it was. Um he went on trial to Arsenal and I was due to playing goal in a DSL game. I think it was against Home Farm, so it would have been a big enough game. And the game was actually called off. So the next game was I got called into the DDSL. I never played in goal, proper game in goal. I got called into the DDSL team um, to play against Maryland Boys. And uh, Glenn Whelan would have been playing for Maryland Boys at the time and played in that game, done all right. Got called back into the DDSL then to play another game against uh, the Man United Academy. Um, so I played on. That was, I kicked on from there then and um, played a couple of games with Cherry Orchard. Uh, and then there was a, a change in age groups where you play a certain times a month you could drop down so I was fortunate enough to drop down and that's when I started playing in goal fully um, but I was still keeping with my GAA as well because it was quite serious um, at 14s we were kind of going for the, the failure um, yeah. kind of a big tournament that for underage at that stage so I was literally getting in the car I going to my soccer games in the morning getting in the car driving to my GAA games and then Dublin was kicking off then so I was either with the DDSL the next day or I was with the Dublin GAA the next day so my weekends were just rammed yeah. with football um, and then during the week I would have been I ended up starting training with a Cherry Archer senior team um, and the manager John Wilkes which, which was probably the Alex Ferguson of amateur football um, I was up training with him constantly with the senior goalkeepers and um, and then the Henderson brothers then as well had a, a big impact then when I was younger then as well, Stephen and Dave, um, getting coached by them then as well, you know, so it was action-packed. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were playing at the top level on, on both sides, like on the GA and the football, like, so, you, you know, the talent was obviously there from a young age and you had the interest in it, like, it takes big commitment, I know, from my own personal experience, like, even traveling up to Dublin and stuff, you need you need the commitment and you want to do it, like, or, or, or there's no point, but, like, to be playing at that sort of level on both codes, like, there's probably a bit unheard of, like, you usually have to choose one or the other, like, to, to make the commitment, like. That was the, like, there was an awful lot of sacrifice to, 
say like small small things as underage discos. I went yeah. to very few of them. Yeah. Um, missing going out with my friends because like if I did an important game, then every day every game was starting to be important then. Yeah. Um, and what I had to do because trials started coming in then as well. Uh, UK clubs started taking interest then. Um, and it kind of got a bit serious and then plus the GAA so I kind of gave a lot of childhood up as well at the same time with yeah. not going to um, not going to underage discos going with my friends going into town um, it was kind of the bubble wrap was kind of put around me like and I was missing out on an awful lot of stuff like yeah and, and it was hard like it, but look there was there was a goal to get to where I kind of I got to but it was at the expense of, of being a child, like, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, you know. And do you think that affected you then later on? Do you think you missed out on anything or were you just that focused at the time that you you just, you had the vision, you had, you knew what you wanted to do and you didn't mind just making the sacrifices, I suppose? I, I knew I was making kind of the wrong sacrifices. Um, I was sacrificing skill. Okay. Um, which now going back, I'll never forget my woodwork teacher and me me tutor pulling me. Um but no interest in skills. Yeah. Um because I'd obviously um kinda got the trials and I'll be honest with you, I came a bit of a, a Billy Big Bollocks like, you know. Um, I don't know if we can use that word, but yeah. <laughs> we let it slide. <laughs> yeah, but like you're looking at it uh, look yeah, you're around international teams now and you're knocking on the door and you've no interest. Like it wasn't, it wasn't in a bad way, but my mind was more focused on my football. Um, yeah. I started kind of getting myself into trouble with skill and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Which now I fully regret. Um, and look, made decisions on it and looking going back to doing my education. It's never too late to go back now either. Like, but yeah, thirty seven. It was, it was <laughs> twenty years ago now. Like you know, so. Yeah, you know, no, like so that. Memories, like you know, me and scale. Yeah, we started t- taking over certain things. I remember, um, I was I was um on detention, and it was Paddy Bonner's testimony, and um, it was Friday afternoon. I had to get to Whitehall by half one. I was on the ten uh, by two o'clock, I think it was. And I was on detention till half one, um, and I was literally me auntie was waiting in the car to bail me across. <laughs> Um, I was nearly didn't go to it. And then I had a great, had a great session. Then got tickets, one tickets to go to. I got goalkeeper to camp or the trainers, about twenty keepers there. And um, we got all got tickets to go to Packy's testimony. Then the next day, and Packy would have been probably the hero at the time. Schmeichel and Packy would have been the two. Yeah, the two idols. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, good, good experience. Then so just moving on. Then um, you were saying you had trials in the UK. Did many of them show big interest? They wanted to sign you. What sort of clubs was looking at you at the time? Yeah, my first, my first trial would have been to Celtic, and they came in with Wolves, um, so I, I travelled back and forth a couple of times, um, to both clubs, and um, Celtic showed an interest, but um, kind of had a bit of um, we had a bit of a, a blip, um, I was over there and um. I was traveling home. We went up and trained with the Scottish national team trained. And uh, I was left in the airport. I was only 14. I was left in the airport for about six or seven hours. Um, now, I was decked down in Celtic gear, left, right and center. I looked at business. <laughs> but 
start getting a bit of abuse from the other side of Glasgow. Yeah. Call it all sorts of names. Um, and I had to go to the girl on the, the Aer Lingus desk and say, look, explain yeah. what was going on. I had to be brought through then separately and stuff like that. And they came in then and asked, could I go to, um, I think it was the Kiel tournament or something like that. And basically my mother said, no, yeah. can't get back from Glasgow. I hardly expected to get back from anywhere else. And that was... That was the end of that. Me mother basically told me, you know, I'm a Celtic fan, but um, <laughs> that must have been tough for you. Yeah, with Willie McStay wrote a letter, and I think uh, Joe Venglas was the manager at the time, or yeah, I think Joe Venglas or uh, William Anderson, one of them, but the manager, and I actually got a letter of apology direct from the manager. On the and came all over the situation, literally, then um, me mother just said no, and um, we had. West Ham came in, um, West Ham was kind of one that I really wanted to, to go to um, because he less Sydney, um, Lord Reston took a, a serious interest in me um, and Les obviously being a Man United goalkeeper then as well and won the FA Cup, uh, the famous Jim Layton and the FA Cup Ferguson played him instead of Jim. Yeah. I spent time in Les's house, um, I lived with him for two weeks and I remember him picking me. I remember playing for the DDSL. This is how it came about. We went on play for the DDSL because um, we played against um, Glenn Johnson, played um, Billy Mehmet, played. There's a couple of young lads that had gone through the system. I played against us, and we beat West Ham then as well. And we had a quite a good DDSL team at the time. Stephen Elliott, um, Glenn Whelan, um, all played. And we went, and after the second game, I was brought into the dressing room and Les Seeley was in there and he asked me would I go, go back and play against the Arsenal the following week. So I said, yeah, no problem. So literally flew home the following week. I played against, uh, I can't remember, I think Stella Maris and I was literally on the plane then to fly to West Ham and Les picked me up from the airport, brought me to the hotel, put me in the hotel, played the game against Arsenal, flew home with me, met my parents, basically, wanted to sign me there and then um, after the game and invited over to train then for two weeks over the Easter period. And those, those walls were involved as well. Ipswich started coming on, coming in as well. And um, Man United started coming in. A couple of, a good few clubs started coming in and showing an interest, Southampton. And I went into Les's house and met his, his wife Elaine and George and Joe. I was putting, I think one of the kids got thrown out of rooms. In the room I went into, he had his um, the FA Cup medal, um, his Premier League uh, trophy. He used to get a little Mincha Premier League trophy when he won it, so he obviously won it the first year. And then there was, there was this big glove there, um, and a big rice glove. And I was such mesmerised by this glove, and it was uh, Schmeichel's. And I put it on my hand, and I, I see it was going on my finger. And Les walks in and goes, um, Ray Cockney, get that out of your fucking hand, mate. You're not good enough to wear that glove. And I was like, oh, shit, shit. <laughs> like, you know, and I, I was brilliant. But, you, thought, you thought you were going to be packing your bags and going home with that stage. <laughs> it wasn't even funny. So I went into the training ground the next day. Um, Hardy Redknapp would have been manager. Um, Frank Lampard Sr., all Frank Lampard Jr., Rio Ferdinand, Joe Cole, these were all here at the Canio. And I was, it was a superstar team at the time. And Shaka Hislop and Craig Forrest were the two goalkeepers. And uh, 
went out to train and literally had to sing a song in front of everyone. Les told every, everyone about it. I had to sing a song, man. I was never so embarrassed in my life. It was, it was brilliant. But looking back, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, same experience. Yeah, it was, it was, it was absolutely top drawer. To be fair, like and Les and, and the family put really put it out. And then we came to contract the uh, negotiations. Then I went to Mill Cup, and a couple more teams came in in the summer from me. I was meant to go with West Ham, but I went with Cherry Orchard down the club. And a couple of more teams came in, and um, went to Southampton. And played against West Ham the week beforehand, and uh, I was going to West Ham then the following week, and I was just I had a, a fairly decent game, and that probably brought up the level of interest a bit more. And we went and had negotiations, um, and we were going ahead, and I just you would kind of want one more year out of the deal, um, rather than didn't want to fix myself to a short term deal. I want to kind of a, an extra year. Give myself a better chance, and um, they kind of weren't budging. And then Ipswich came in and um, flew to Ipswich. Then a couple of days later, when I returned, and Les was still on the phone trying to get the deal done. And then we had um, we played an international game against Germany in Tolke, uh, Tolke Rovers ground, and you had Robert Hood playing, um, David Aldonker, um. He had played, he was at Brush at Dorman. I think he broke his neck and ended his career. But basically after that game, uh, my grandfather died on the Friday and I was due out to I was due to fly out to Ipswich Saturday after yeah. the game. And sorry, she died the Thursday. I was the only international player. When I played in Germany, I had one of them games. It was just I was one of my best games I've ever played. And Flew to Ipswich then on a Friday. Grandfather had died and was brought onto the pitch um, for warming up Richard Roy um, and Mike Salmon and basically done a deal there and then. And then I received the phone call off Man United then wanting to do a deal then as well. So obviously I've done well enough to some big contracts on the table, like, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, I decided to go to Ipswich and, and commit to Ipswich at the time because I've that was a great club, to be fair. Yeah, they they would have been Premier League at the time, would they have? Uh, we were championship at the time. And got promoted that year then as well, so we went into the Premier League when I went over full-time. Yeah, I suppose you just have to try and, I know it's, all, it's probably a guessing game when you have that many clubs, you're, you're just trying to find the right fit for yourself, see where you probably have the most chance of progressing and getting into the first yeah. team. Like, But obviously like the games you were playing and some of the players you were playing against, like all went on to have serious careers and I suppose word of mouth probably got on and everyone was yeah. sort of, all eyes were sort of on you at the time. And did you find that like as a pressure where you just, did you find like you were just looking, did you know everyone was looking at you at the time or was it yeah. more like you were just playing the games and you were nearly like the form you were in looking forward to every game? Like for me, when I'm playing my best, I'm enjoying myself and I'm messing. Like yeah. I, I'd be full of pains, I'd be a mess at like you know, I'm I'm not afraid to say that, like I'm always up to something. Yeah. Um, and that's when 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 I'm messing and I'm on top form, that's when I'm really enjoying myself and I know I'm gonna get the best out of myself. And people kind of saw that as a negative, saying yeah. full of beans or yeah. calm down or whatever, like but there is a time when like you hear the talk. Oh, this club is coming in for you, that club is coming in. So there's a letter after arriving in for Darren and and that, like, you know, yeah, no problem. Like, 
well, it was just game after game, training session after training session. Like it was, I was even like played for Dublin in a in a Leinster uh, tournament, um, and we ended up going and winning it. And then kind of the, the soccer started taking more serious to the GAA, and I was mm-hmm. was literally like sneaking out. I was asking my man for taxi money, so my stepfather wouldn't find me going out to play gar or anything like that. And my manager on the GAA was paying for taxis to get me the games. Like, I was crossed the M50, like, at that stage, like, and I was hiding going into the games and so no one would fucking really see me, like, do you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, where were you? Well, I've well, been playing football in the school. It was kind of, you're not playing football, but still going to play football, like, do you know? So Yeah, you just um, had the love of it at that time and there was nothing yes, going to stop you, really. There was nothing, but, like, I'd enjoy playing my mates and school mates and, um, and I just love football, you know, like my, my primary school uh, principal, like I remember I wasn't doing homework, my mother went down and he says, look, he's not playing GAA anymore. You can't do that. Like he we'll sort the homework out. Like we don't need, and he's the, the principal, the, the Christian brother of the school, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was, he was like, he was like a father figure in, in school for me. Like he was unbelievable for me, like, you know, Yeah. but that's, that's, um, that's, that's where we were at, like, it was just full on, like, you know? Yeah. And then, so you got over the episode and you signed your deal. How, how did you think that went for you? Like, did you settle in straight away or did you find missing home or any homesickness like you you, you hear previous players? Yeah, bef- like, before, before I kind of went, um, I was in fifth year in school and um, I didn't give a shit, basically. I knew what was going, the deal was done since Christmas. And um, the very basic the voice principal came to me, mother, and said, "Look, there's no point in Darren coming to school because he's just he's wasting their time, which is fair enough. Like, yeah, from that, look, I made my mistakes on it, and I hold my hands up, and we end up getting me first job. Then I end up working at uh, Gail's Bakery, so I was up at six every morning, cycling two mile, three mile to to walk, and uh, walking there till two, doing bakery and making cakes and everything, like you know." Yeah. Um, then I went to move and I went to work in Tesco then as well for a while so I was Tesco training and um, I was only 15 when I was working in Tesco but they, they made an allowance for me um, so we got in there for a while but yeah I made the, I made the change um, and I signed I was trying to go over in the July and when I arrived there we, I was literally going on a, a week's training camp with um, with the goalkeeper so it was basically I say ninety percent of the Premier League goalkeepers used to go to Staffordshire University, and okay. basically for a week. So that's where I'd kind of gone. And the head goalkeeping coach at Ipswich, Malcolm Webster, um, he was one of the main trainers with Fred Barber, who was at Bolton Wanderers. So, um, the kind of Roy was missing. He was away with England at Euro two thousand, and then you like Paddy Kenny, Yaskaline, and like you're training beside these lads, and you've seen them on the telly six months. Yeah. Before Premier League, and now you're you're in a, a training session with them, like you know, and it was it was quality to be fair, like um I made a week solid training there and I was back then in with the, the youth squad then as well. Um so players in my youth team would have been um Darren Benton, Darren Ambrose, um Matt Bloomfield, um Ian West like gone to, to Leeds, I think, for two mil or something like that. So you had a, a fairly decent decent squad um, and it was a fair one of the most probably one one of the most successful Ipswich U teams that they had like you know it was it was excellent like to be fair the calibre was top draw 
Yeah, yeah. It's good. Like some of the players you mentioned, they are like Premier League yeah. standard players, and they've uh, like Darren Bent, the the goals he scored in Premier League, like has spoke for itself. Like, but um, yeah. did did you find like with the teammates and stuff coming over from Ireland, did you find any difficulty settling in with them or like outside um, of football? Did you integrate well with the team, I suppose? Yeah, I, I did, to be fair. They were a great bunch of lads, um, but I was kind of back and forth on international duty. Um, I was back for the Milk Cup three weeks after I had arrived. I was there for 10 days with Ireland. Brian, uh, Brian Kerr brought a team up and we played in the Milk Cup um, two years of our age group. And then we, we travelled to Austria then about three weeks after we had come back. So um, it was a bit bit of town and flown back and forth to Ireland and then by the time that happened the league was kicking off so um we were straight into league action then as well you know with the with the club like you know it was it was getting to know the boys fairly quick like yeah yeah I kind of bounced back and forth from the Christmas time I was over probably every four or five weeks for a week or so um just integrating with the, the staff and the, the the players that were going to come in like yeah, no, that it seemed to go well, and yeah. So you you were over there for how many years? Were you over in Ipswich? Was it three? I signed a four-year deal, and I stayed for three. Stayed for three. Yeah. And did yeah. you did you progress on to the first team, or were you on the bench or at any stage? Or um, what had happened was I had um, I played a, played a couple of um charity kind of games around with the first team and stuff like that. You'd go out and. End up playing outfield in one of the games, I think it was, but to, it was more to get me out of the house because the homesickness was kicking in. Um, yeah. And in fairness to the coach, he, he kind of knew. Um, and there's problems at home. My parents had kind of split up and stuff like that. So that was affecting me then massively as well. And I wanted it at home. Yeah. Um, and in fairness, he, he spotted it fairly quickly. Um, and was getting me out to, to these charity games, keep me occupied because from two o'clock, to nine o'clock the next day, you're kind of on your own, like, um, yeah. and it gets lonely. And for six months, it was with myself and Collie Daly, and Collie was was fantastic for me, like, um, and he he was released at Christmas time then. He had an ankle injury, but it was only basically me and him there, the two worst lads, and then Sean Friars was there as well. Um, he was more in around the resis, and Jim Magilton was there, and Matty Holland was there. But we, we'd integrated well, like, but... Yeah. Um. In the evening time, I was kind of like two or three other lads around the place, but they were different parts of Ipswich then as well. Like you know, yeah. and it was hard enough, and then progressed really well. Um. We then ended up getting a great run in the FAU Cup and got to the semi final, being by Arsenal and kind of probably my best game I've ever played. And um, I was actually on the, talking to the Ipswich uh, academy staff last week about and. 15,000 people at the game. Was, I think it was 5,000 in Highbury. Um, we beat them in Highbury, uh, 4-3. And, like, they had Jermaine Pennon playing, uh, Ali, Ad- Ali Allader, um, Stephen Sidwell, Morris Boltz. Like, they did, I think they had, team, yeah, they had a team alone that cost 10 million. <laughs> so back in 2000, 2001, like, they were, they were, I think they were the Invincibles around at the time. Like, yeah. And then we we had a, a fairly decent team as well, and we got to the semi final, and it was 
like I, I still remember this game to, to this day, like, you know, and doing interviews after the game was probably gave me life and just they were, they were singing England's England's number one and you had to go on to it was in the paper and of all the newspapers, only showing the kids it a couple of weeks ago. And he had to come out and say, What do you think them calling England's England's Lime Irish? And that's it. Like and I'm on BBC Suffolk, you know, look, thanks and I'll take it as a compliment, but we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. <laughs> yeah, we went down and won the FA uh, the FA Premier League on the seventeens as well. Um that was two weeks after, so I was flying. I was absolutely flying at this stage. Um kind of unofficial phone calls from from Arsenal then as well after the game asking what my situation was. Um and I think an official call could have been made um, because possibly it, right he had gone to Arsenal as well at the time. He had gone to replace David Seaman. Um, and there was there was talk then of a new contract then being called in by uh, the gaffer and um George Bowley and said look um I want you to come back two weeks early um off your yeah break and discuss a new contract and I says yeah perfect no problem um we went on and won the DFA uh, Premier League on the seventeens and we played in St James's Park and there was fifteen thousand Geordies at the game and they were five one down. Or five one five nil down and fifteen thousand Geordies at the game like and yeah. it was rocking. I'll never forget it. It was absolutely top draw like and uh, yeah it was brilliant. And it's actually Premier League trophy is the exact same but it's only smaller down proper Premier League medal and everything like it was, it was top draw and returning home and getting myself focused right I'm on the brink here of yeah. uh, breaking through like you know um kept myself in decent shape then and came back two weeks early got in the gym um went on that pro week then as well with the goalkeepers and they brought in um Roy had obviously gone so I was there thinking to myself Roy you'll have a really good pre-season um to some of our very good goalkeepers as well at the club. James Cullen was decent as well. He was coming through at the same time. He's he was a couple of years older than me. Um, and the gaffer had said, look, you're, you're going to travel with the force team uh, to Dublin. We were playing Dublin County at the time. Yeah, Dublin, City, Dublin, Dublin City, was it? Yeah. Dublin City. Yeah. Um, and two or three friendlies and we'll discuss a contract with your mum and dad. Um, and we get across the line and I think... Um, I was, I was buzzing. I was in Shoot Magazine at the time. I was in Front Magazine. I was... My profile was starting to raise. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the Wednesday, my knee was swelled out like a balloon. Um, I was literally... I'm going nowhere. Like, you know, I went to Mal, Malcolm and said, look, my knee's not looking good. Like, so I literally gone back to physio, looked at it. Um, straight away in for a scan the next day. Scanned uh, on the Thursday. Um, the gaffer said we'll discuss we see how the scans go didn't travel to Dublin obviously because I probably would have been me putting me first team debut there or thereabouts um, so done the knee and things he came back and said there's no blood flowing through your knee so we'll have to operate so I was on the knife on the Friday morning um, got the knife done he said come back in four weeks I had four weeks recovery to go again yeah. So it went back, and there was the smallest little spots on my leg, on my on my knee, where he had gone in, and it just whatever had happened, there, there was a little spot, and the doctor says I'm not, I'm not going to operate in case, in case this spot bursts, 
gets infected and you you lose your leg basically down from your knee down. So it's okay, no problem. So uh, but, um, I got um, the operation then done the following week, keyhole again. Two weeks later, I got that. So that brought me into just that brought me into August, the end of August, into September. Um, got home then for a week to me Debs. I went to me Debs. I brought you back to the school for me Debs. And then I came back. I just started picking up niggly injuries. Um, my back started spasming all the time. Um, I really hit rock bottom then. Um, from going from basically breaking through to boom, your whole world comes crashing down. And um, just couldn't recover. Head yeah. was gone. And um, tried to get back too quickly. They brought other goalkeepers in. Lewis Price came in then, who ended up being a Welsh international. He came in, done really well. Can't blame the club for bringing another goalkeeper in. I thought it was personal. I thought, yeah, I, was, I wanted to fight the war basically. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, start going out partying a bit more when I shouldn't have been. I was 17 at the time, like, and I was on fairly decent money at that, at that stage, like, you know. Um, and then. A few things happened in the club. We got suspended for a week um, from training. Um, other things had happened. There was, you know, the queues of things and nothing, nothing of the sort had kind of happened. And I just wanted to go home. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was kind of on my own. Um, kind of being phased out a small bit as well because I didn't recover. Um, I wasn't going on the, the road I probably should have been going on. And I basically went in and I called in. It was Christmas time and said, hey, look, you can go if you want to go. And I said, right, perfect, I'm going to go. So I'd gone up to Wigan. Sorry, in the summer before that, I'd gone up to Wigan to try to get games. And yeah. Again, Celtic and Rangers done really well. Um, called back, asked would I go back, got injured. Um so Wigan were kind of in for me at the time and just couldn't recover. Kept picking up needles, back was at me, groins were at me. I just didn't know what was wrong with me. And I got for the the payout then to leave. So with 18 months left and the club kind of hit a financial um, spot. So I decided to take the payout. That's probably the worst thing that ever happened to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, worse than that, um, because I started gambling. Okay. So... I went probably about 12 grand in two weeks. Um, so I basically gambled away 12 grand in two weeks. Um, yeah. Not um, was buying stupid clothes, watches, and I had nowhere to go. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I got the... Uh, I was just on a, I was on a spiral, downhill spiral yeah. from that point. And did you... Did you feel like you had guidance there or did, were you just not listening to anybody or did you just feel alone at the time? Yeah, it was, it was you against the world. Like, um, yeah. There was, there was no guidance. Once you go across that water, like, there's nothing. Like, you know, yeah. Clubs try to do things for you, but look, at, there's other people that you need around you. Like, um, yeah. Friends, family, like a lot of my friends that I probably hung around with now are probably dead or in prison or strung out. Like, John, that's yeah. very few of them gone on and done really well. Um, so that, like, my mother had moved to Wexford, I kind of hadn't got a base anymore and body frame and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, there was no guidance there. Like, 
Yeah. You were know, yeah. left. Yeah, I was left. I had an apartment, I was living in an apartment at the time and I hit the downward spiral and then I got a phone call then asked me to go to Real Mallorca on trial. So I'd gone to I was preparing to go to Real Mallorca and I got a phone call to come back to a, a Premier Division club back home. And I just said to myself, I need to go home and yeah. get my head together um, and see what happens. So I agreed to come home. I agreed to meet the manager and, and basically sign for the club. Um, so he said, how quickly can you get back? And I was back within 48 hours, moved from basically Ipswich to Dublin in 48 hours. Like, um, And my dad had come over and collected me um, and brought me home. And... Went out to meet the manager at the time in the in the club and basically had promised me, look, you're going in as number two. Um, it was 18 at the time. 18? Yeah, I think it was 18. 19. 18 or 19. Uh, no, it was 18. Sorry, going on 19. And basically signed another goalkeeper the night beforehand. And basically all he could offer me was a fast course. So yeah. I just said, look, I gave up Ray on my arc to come here. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? I could I was thinking, so we could be in fucking Spain here, living the dream, like <laughs> pull the rug out. from under you, really, like yeah, he's pulled, he basically pulled the rug from underneath me, um, and then I had a couple of calls. I went to Dublin County, uh, County, um, played a game against Rovers, and I was absolutely shocking in the game. Um, but there was three goalkeepers there at the time: Gareth Bourne, Ty Murphy was there, and. I was there, so we all played a half hour each in the game, and I went in, and Mark Kenny, I think, done me from about 40 yards on a half volley, and the best goals I've ever conceded, to be fair to him, and uh, he's done me from, from 40 yards, and I was just like, oh no, what's going on here? Yeah. Got wall for then in the meantime, and then I had said, look, I want to bring you in, so I said, right, perfect. Went to um, went to sign the week before. Playing against Paston really well. Was training with Cherry Archer senior teams as well. At the same time, trying to keep myself fit. Keith yeah. Fatty was there, training with with the Archers as well. He'd only come back. I think it was Aston Villa or Arsenal at the time. And after the Pats game, I got a. I was asked, would it be interesting going to Pats? I would have been a Pats fan. Yeah. And I said, yeah. He said, so look, I'll be in contact with you. Um, Spoken to a few people, told them I was gone. The next of all, the deal was off. I wasn't going anywhere. Um, so even the training was cancelled. And I kind of heard one or two teams being said about me, but were totally untrue. Um, and then what had happened then after that? Um, went to start training actually with Barry. Uh, running up at Rovers then. I was in training with Rovers. Tony O'Dowd would have been up there as well at the time. And... Um, trying to cross in King's Hospital only down the road from me but um, Derma came in and said to me look I want to sign you so perfect it made a great deal and then he went and signed it was Wayne Russell I think at the time the night before the league had started so he had three goalkeepers on the books he wasn't bringing another one on because he said I've used your money to sign Wayne look Wayne had a, a fantastic career in the league and you can't really knock that like you're going to bring a 19 year old in and take a chance on him or you're going to bring in someone more experienced he had a, I think he got goalkeeper the year at war for the year before or something. and he said I want you to stick around until I get another goalkeeper off the books like and I says 
I can't wait around, like, you know. So it's kind of getting thrown from Billy the Jack in terms of clubs. I went to Waterford then and played one or two games against them for Rovers. And I just fell out of love then. I just hit the self-destruct button. Didn't want to play football. Just the, It's not no one's fault. It was just, look, you were in the senior game now and that's just... Yeah, that's it was just like a, like a run of circumstances that just sort of went against you and then... Yeah that all plays in your head like you're, you're going to struggle you're, you don't know where to turn to basically no no and it was hitting a downward spiral and Sean Dillon came to me then um, Sean put the the olive branch out to me in fairness to him um, he was brilliant um, excuse me and Sean was speaking to me fair bit and you could see I was I was slowly slowly sti- uh, slipping slipping down the, the old field chain yeah, uh, I moved to Wexford then, on a bit of toiling, um, down there. My mother's uh, husband and I just wasn't for me, so I ended up moving back to Dublin. I rented out an apartment, um, and the people that were around me that I kind of trusted were starting to go, okay. and I, I would have put a lot of faith in and a lot of guidance, and they were gone because obviously the footballer was gone. Yeah. And, that circle became smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and uh, I was living in a, a house just not too far from where I am, renting accommodation on the social welfare. And no money, had nothing. So going from a club six months ago where I was earning fairly decent money yeah, to living in rented accommodation, doubling on the social welfare, um, it was that bad. I remember selling newspapers on the N4. Um, at Lucan um, and the kind of the kick in the teeth and started to realise I was getting bad was um, I seen one of my old managers walking by with, um, with a young lad that I play with I was just thinking to myself I'm standing here selling, selling the Evening Herald what the fuck is going on like yeah. where have I gone um, previously I was meant to go into an international team with no club um, and the manager had rang me. Brian had kind of stepped upstairs a bit. And uh, the manager at the time had rang me said, yeah, you're in the squad. No problem. I was playing senior football with Dublin, uh, with Dublin Bus. Played one game, I think, and they got relegated off a of protest because the international clearance hadn't come through. Um, but I was, on the, I was on the slippery slope. I was offered an apartment. Um, and I think it was 1,500 quid a week at the time. And what happened in the apartment stayed in the apartment. So you could see where that was kind of going. Um, yeah. It was going down the slippery slope. Yeah. I was, I was on the, the road to, to nowhere at the time. So um, I got the arm around me then um, from a man called Sid Strickland. Lord rest him, he's died now. Um, he was in the army and he put his arm around me and basically... Yeah, going to the army, and to be fair, like he kind of saved my life in a way. Yeah. Um. So people kind of laughed. You won't last in the army. You'll not do this. You'll not do that. Now I, I'd family in the army. Um, grandfather served. My uncles had served. Uh, both grandfathers actually had served, and it was a, a proud family tradition being in in the army. Like, and I'd literally gone in, gone to me. I was gone to Calbrough Barracks for me me interview and I'd only trained a year before with Brian in Cattlebrill Barracks 
used to come in at Christmas when we go to get on a Christmas break it used to be in training on the two pitches <laughs> the Marty Quarters field and the uh, Leeson's field there and the Dublin senior team used to train there as well but Brian used to bring us in but me going in the gate a year before that with an international team here I am now about to be recruited into the Irish Defence Forces <laughs> um, and yeah it was it's to be fair like between Sid putting his arm around me and the defence forces like proper saved my life like yeah to- total eye opener and I suppose you, you sort of came to a crossroads and Sid thankfully seen something in you that he knew you could yeah. succeed and did you, did you sort of feel yourself you know all the sort of negativity being thrown at you did you feel like that spurred you on to succeed then within the defence forces yeah like I would have been um I would have been fairly close to me nanny, like, and when she found out, she was delighted, like, you know, um, and it was like being back in the dressing room with the lads. Yeah. You know, like, it was, it was that feeling, of the banter was brilliant. Um, yeah. And you make friends for life, like, do you know what I mean? Like, no matter what, how, how long, like, I'm recently back from being away there and hadn't spoken to a lad in 15 years, like, we trained together until yeah. was, three of us on the trip trying to get I was like talking to him since yesterday like you know that's that's the and he just pick up the slagging and the abuse like do you know what I mean just yeah off, like, being in dressing it was actually worse it's cutthroat like yeah and, yeah it's like you do something you are right yeah well you're a stupid blah 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 like you know it's open you get slaughtered for hours yeah. like everyone knows yeah. what the what the banter's about so yeah so I got the I got the phone call I actually I actually started late in the army and the, I was meant to go into a platoon in, in Gormanstown, not too far from Drogheda. Yeah. And, and I got the phone call to the part of Aiken Barracks down on the Monday. So literally just bring a bag of clothes with you. So I didn't know what to bring. Um, so I think I packed a lot of things and after Aiken on the, the bus here and bus the next day, went on, on the Monday morning, was up in Aiken Barracks, got sworn in and next of all I was in the car going to Monaghan. You know, so <laughs> I hadn't got a clue, was it? Going yeah, in there, I hadn't got a clue what was going on. You didn't Went know what to the... expect, yeah. So they were in for two weeks. They, they had the gist of the march and coming to attention, calling the instructor's corporal. I was calling them so, right, I'm not so. I walk for a living and they're like, what's going on here? Like, you know, it was like... You were just winging pan. it. Ah, it was a pizza pan beret. Like, it looked like something else that was making the hair making pizzas from me, do you know what I mean? I was like, it's a fine sauce on my head, I hadn't got a clue. And to be fair, like, the lads that I was in the room with, and, like, got me up to scratch, and the instructors were brilliant with me, like, to be fair, like, no, none of them, he kind of had an idea from me background and me file, where yeah. I was kind of coming from, like, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, like, you know? But then he, he was, I remember doing a, a PT session, um training session and uh, kind of got swung and it went me back and straight away thoughts came in I'm gone I'm finished like you know me back is on me and you hear all things and I was getting upset I thought I was getting fucked out of the army and everything like it was just my head was gone Yeah. and I was going back into them thoughts again I'm gone I'm gone I'm gone but now the instructors were some of the instructors were brilliant now they absolutely roasted you it was brilliant some of the yeah. best times you like you know what I mean you're looking back and you what is going on here? Like, how am we doing this? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's just building character within you. Like, them, yeah, them getting stuck into you, 
the abuse or whatever you have to take. But like, if you if if sort of you had had that at a younger age within football, nearly you you probably might have succeeded. Or but even coming home, like to be honest with you, Steph, like like one phone call from my own hand, that was it. Yeah. Like yeah, you, you're an international footballer and you're coming home. I think there was a, a course on the year before that, like, you know, and I know a couple of lads around my age group that had come home that were in the international teams. It was nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know, not even a, a fast course to put you on or, or on to keep you involved in the game, go coaching or the pathway. There's nothing. And, yeah. and this was this was 20 years ago, like, and there's still nothing. Yeah. There's no, there's no aftercare, and no. That I, I suppose like someone that's gone in, seen everything, like you, you, you're the perfect man to like, to be dealing with young lads going over, giving them like giving them information that that like I suppose when you're when you're 16, 15, 16, whatever age you're going to the UK at, you're just thinking oh I'll sign with this club I'll sign with this club you. Yeah. It's not the long term you're you're dealing with, so you you do no. need the people around you. Or you need the people giving you information that that isn't isn't really there, like you say. I like I remember sitting. It's been six months gone now. I was in quarantine, going to Mali, and um, the young lad had committed suicide. Then that had been released from Manchester City. Yeah. Um, and then only a couple of couple of weeks before that, then um, a young goalkeeper that I used to coach, um, he committed suicide as well. Um, that kind of hit me then, saying, "Well, is this maybe yeah real now to come out and tell your story when you come back?" Um, and to be fair, like the last twenty four months hadn't been the best times for me either. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of things coming to coming to the surface, like, you know, um, and I was just sitting there and going, right, you have to do something when you come home, um, and help kids, like, I, I sit and talk to kids, and talk to lads, like, coach, and maybe they go into coaching then as well, I'm kind of opening their eyes to, to, to different things, do you know, that kind of way, like, everyone has their agenda, like, do you know, what I mean? everyone has their own, what they want to achieve, like, but, like, I don't like seeing kids being brought down the road. Like, do you know what I mean? You know where it's going. Like, yeah. being taken for granted. Like, I know young coaches now that are being taken for granted on 20 quid a week. Yeah. Travel the country. Like, and that's, I think I, I average the hours out of 15 hours a week. Like, for 20 quid. Like, like that's, yeah. and for B licenses for 1,200 euro. Like, yeah, it doesn't, you know? it doesn't add up. No. It doesn't add like, up. Some kids want to go to the US. Like, if, coach kids that have gone to the US and scholarships and have completely changed their lives. One's going to be a doctor. Um, one, I think, is going to be a, um, a psychologist. And um, I can't think what the other one is doing, but they've gone on to the education now and they're, they're living in America. One's actually getting married. He's meant to go to his wedding this year. And he was actually an international goalkeeper as well, Evan Gaffney. Um, and he's he went the, the, the route of a... Uh, Education in the US, yeah. And I'm looking at like I'm proud as punches them, like, but yeah, there was like another goalkeeper like that I've spoken to, and he was going down the wrong road, like me, yeah. And I remember getting a phone call off his mother saying, Thanks very much. And I said, Why, what's up? He says, You've you put him on the on the railway again, and you've guided him down this way where he was going the wrong, and that that for me means a hell of a lot more than 
seeing goalkeepers going on and making international caps that have coached like and like going like brilliant. Do you know what I mean? I love seeing that someone yeah picking themselves up and being resilient and pushing on like. Yeah, no matter what career path they sort of choose. Uh, like yeah. it's it's sort of even from the last couple of weeks, the head in the game sort of just took off and you're talking to different people and you sort of have that sort of pride within you. Um, yeah. even you're talk you're talking to people and you don't even realize it. A little chat can go a long way. You're just interacting with people and it might make their day, might make them look at something differently. It's like it can be a total eye opener and yeah. like we're always saying, like everyone we're open for a chat. Anybody wants to drop us a message or anything like that. Like you've just came and like we were together at Monaghan for what yeah. less less than six months anyway and yeah. you you just reached out to me and the chats we had already just going back and forth like you know yeah it's been, br- yeah, it's it's been brilliant like, like even like for me now like yeah look i bounced in and out of the league and um, played Leinster senior league of coast premier division club and it's all coming back to trust with me like you know yeah. you probably get a bad name or reputation around the place but that's just me not trusting people and it's yeah. not in a bad way, it's just that I can see it going down. There's probably a fear factor that it's going down. Like, yeah, look, I know people don't like me and I don't like other people. Do you know what I mean? That's the facts of life. Like, but yeah, what I would give you is black and white and what I think. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, all I want back is honesty. Like, do you know that kind of way and something that's that's lacking. Like, it's severe. Like, I'm hearing like other things of like I'm seeing kids going on LinkedIn, being told by coaches to go on LinkedIn and go to YouTube channels and you're like, this is, this could yeah. be serious, like down the line, say if you don't make it, say if you go down that line, what way is your head space? You've been so driven at that age. Like you say, if you don't make it, what's your plan B? You have no plan B. We've yeah. been watching kids, YouTube, Instagrams, the whole shebang and they've been treated like absolutely World, world stars like yeah do you know what I mean agents promise them everything bring them pairs of boots um, but like you're looking at it and you're going like did you deserve this do you know yeah. I mean? you have to work hard what's your plan B has anyone sat down with you properly and like agents have an agenda is to make money that's yeah. and, and you see what your man Rolla is doing with Pogba he's, he's making millions out of him like do you know what I mean they, yeah. they only care my agent went missing. Do you know what I mean? My agent didn't want to know anything about me. Yeah. So came, gone. Yeah. Where <laughs> 12 months beforehand, I'm in Shoot Magazine, I'm in Front Magazine. There's talks of me going to Arsenal. There's other bits and pieces of clubs that kind of sniffing around you. Taking a like, No. Do you know what I mean? I actually messaged them a while ago, going in uh, to be a player representative. Uh, can you give me any ideas like John no yeah. blank me do you know what I mean no, didn't want to know that's incredible but, that's, but that was just me testing the waters and going hold on a minute like. yeah he was he was supposed to be looking after you like and yeah. he's just and you see abandoned. it now, like yeah you see it now like like even just young kids now in the League of Ireland Academy system now getting released yeah. I was actually on a safeguard two course and I, I've, since then I've looked at psychology now through the army I can do education through the defence forces now I'm looking at a degree in uh, um, psychology now sports psychology and stuff like that um, 
and looking at the the the, the player and whether be soccer GA or whatever. Yeah. Um, to me safeguarding uh, courses. I've done um suicide awareness now as well. I've only finished that yesterday with the HSE. I'm starting to look at all this now. And it's linking back to probably how I felt. Did I? Yeah, did think about it. Yeah, um, your, it, your own experiences, like, really. How close was I? I was very close. Very, very close. Um, how, like, even sitting back to the two kids that kind of committed suicide over the last 12 months. Yeah, I've looked at it all, like, you know, and it's, it's now... What's going on in other kids' lives? Kids' heads, parents' heads. Do you know what I mean? Like, you might be a superstar over here for a football club in Dublin. When you go to the UK or Europe, you're going against the superstars of probably a 10 times better system. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that, yeah. that's no disrespect to anybody, but it's the better systems abroad. Do you know yeah, that? Kind of, just facts, like, yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's just the way it is. Like, you know, the proper full-time academies, we don't have them yet. Shamrock yeah. Rovers are the only Pats have a good academy. Um, successful, like, do you know what I mean? There's other clubs where people just want to fight and create other clubs. There's so much internal fighting going on that. Mm-hmm. The only people that are suffering are the, are the players, you yeah. know, and not getting the proper welfare. And this is where I'm looking at now. I had a great chat with the FAI president, Jerry McEnany, on Tuesday night. Like, I spoke to me and Jerry had met through the Army soccer. Yeah. Um, we had a love-hate relationship at the very beginning. Um, he was a goalkeeper, I was a goalkeeper. But, like, I have utmost respect for Jerry. Like, you know, we really got to know him on a certain uh, competition. And I'd go to Jerry for with anything now, like, you know. And that's the mark of respect we have for each other. And I went to him with an idea of player welfare, and he's come back to me. Um, and he's he's actively looking at doing something in in that them terms, like you know. Yeah, especially when you when you're sort of building up your um, portfolio, I suppose, like you're getting all the knowledge and the training. I suppose it's a yeah. it's an it's an ideal sort of thing that, that it's a it's a niche that it hasn't been looked at, and I think it's definitely something that would be successful. It's, it's education stuff, like it's. Look, you can go and like you can go and listen to lectures, or you can go and listen to coaches talking about it. But have you actually experienced it? Do you yeah. know what I mean? Have the experience gone through the system? Have they been in that position where they've been released from the club and six months earlier, the best thing since sliced bread, and then there's nobody around them picking you back up, like you know? Yeah. And that's that's where you're at, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so just mindful of dragging this on and yeah, uh, yeah. I'm really thankful for you coming in and having a chat with us about your yeah. experience. It's a, it's an incredible, interesting story. And uh, yeah. just thanks very much for coming on. Well, well, obviously on time, but there are other things happen. Um, yeah. And there will be more on it. Like, you know, I'm not going to let this one go. Like, yeah, know. no, that, that's great it's, to hear you're, you're doing well now and yeah. you're, you're focused on the next thing, which is which is the main thing. Like, so that's great and uh, we just want everyone ahead in the game was to thank you for coming on and having a chat with us it's been brilliant and, and we'll, we'll have we'll have to come back and revisit this and you can go on part <laughs> yeah. two now yeah well, now you have to get to bed pal don't be worrying about it <laughs> <laughs> no worries thanks very much man. cheers bud cheers bye bye now you, bye bye